college basketball all the time. You're listening to Mad About Hoops, the fan, Ohio sports destination. Five to go. Lewis has been awesome. Let's it go. Inbounds Turner, left side of the backboard. Turner crossed the timeline, throws it from high on the right. He hit it just inside of half court. Lane's on the other wing. Bang. Oh! 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 Sapped it in, Jerome! College basketball. This is March Madness. Yes, it is. And happy Saturday. Good morning. I'm Timmy Hall. This is Evil Bald Colin. We are actually coming to you live here. That's right. So there's no replay. It's no fan replay here. This is the podcast. It is being done right now, live today. It made no sense to try to smash this in the middle of a wonderful Thursday or Friday. Colin, 32 games up. 32 games down from Thursday to now. I don't even know if we're really here right now, but I mean, it's an out, it's an out of, like last night, it's an out of body experience, but uh, no, Tim, when you suggested this back on Wednesday, I'm like, you know what? We'll come in. There'll probably be status quo, a lot of chalk maybe in these brackets and, you know, we'll have a nice little show and coming in this morning <laughs> with a 16 seed pulling an upset. I, I'm just, I'm in shock, honestly, of what I watched last night because and, and I made fun of some people that were putting bets on like Fairly Dickinson plus 23 points last night. I'm like, come on, man. They're the smallest team in college basketball. Do you think they're going to slow down Zach Eady? Sure enough, they did. Anything can happen in the sport, and it's amazing what we saw last night. Do you, did you ever get a look at what their money line was? Uh, I know it was, to it was 23. Day, it was the point spread, but what was that? What, like a I plus was, 20? I thought it was like plus 20 5,000 plus 10,000? 20. I thought it was 20. Maybe people- No, the money line. If you pick them to win, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. If, if they were a 23 point dog, or, if you were picking them to win, that'd be it was like probably 200 plus, to 1. It was probably yeah. yeah, 200 to 1 or something, 2,300 or something like that. Unbelievable, man. And, uh, God, I mean, we're going to get into all that. And that's, that's crazy. I was in the gym, I was at Nationwide Arena for all four games yesterday. And there is, there's just something special. We've talked about it before. You're talk, You're listening to two guys who consider the two days that we just had to be the greatest two days in sports, and I'll always stand by that. I mean, the more that I've, you, you know, your tastes change about things with sports and with life as you kind of move on through this lifetime. This has not changed for me, you know? I think I'm getting to the point where I'm, I'm closing in on 40 here soon, so the viewpoints can, you know, adjust a little bit as we go on, but it's not with college basketball, and I I continue to love it, everything that... You get with this tournament, the good, the bad, the upsets. It's it's total pandemonium. It's crazy. But when I when you do take in live basketball, there's something special about that. And I'll I'll give it up ten times out of ten if I have a chance. Especially because it's just one day of it. Like I had the Thursday to watch everything on screens, right? And you get the bounce around effect and the it's, way, a diff- it's a different yeah. experience. The way we have the TV coverage yet. You know what it's like? It's like when you go and watch a major championship in golf, like amongst golf fans, you know what I'm talking about. There's something special about being close to those guys. If you play the game and then to feel how they hit the ball, the sound it makes, but you're giving up a lot in terms of what can I actually see 
and soak in with this golf tournament because TV coverage gives you every little bit and piece. When you go to one site for four games, you're missing eight of the other. You're missing that many more games. I mean, there's 16 games and you're only seeing four, four of them. Excuse me. So that's the drawback, but it was worth it. In this yeah, case. but what's also kind of strange about that is if you're at a site, let's say there's not really a whole lot of upsets. It's more chalk. You kind of get the sense or you get the feel around. There's like a buzz around an arena. If there's something like a 16 versus one happening somewhere somewhere else. Um, and, and then you, you kind of hear the news. People will go out to the concourses and actually catch it on the TVs. I'll never forget that when there was a Columbus was a host site the year that Ohio beat Michigan. And that was a massive upset. Everybody went to the concourse, watched that. But yeah, when it's actually happening in the arena you're in, it's just, it's different. And I, I think everybody watching that game last night was kind of like, oh yeah, you're, you know, they're hanging around. They're up one at half. You know, maybe they'll make this close. Like maybe NKU did with Houston on Thursday night. Maybe they'll just kind of hang around and then lose by maybe like 10, 12 points. And then it's just as long as they stayed in it and they were up one point, three points, getting closer to the under four timeout. And I, I told my girlfriend at the time, if this gets to under four mm-hmm. with Fairleigh Dickinson yeah. up, yeah. you got to start believing. And the buzz in that arena is going to pick up. And I, I don't know if that's the vibe you picked up being in the in the arena, but I got to imagine once it hit that under four and people started to believe that it really, really turned. So what I did yesterday is you know, some some nice dudes who have listened to the pod before and listened to the station. You remember our guy Jimmy Chitwood on Twitter? He would always... Uh, Always chime in on basketball topics. So that dude, he got off social media, which I realized because I hadn't seen him commenting on anything Buckeye basketball. And hey, more power to anyone that wants to just say peace out to social media. I I'm all all there for that. Probably a good season. Probably a good season to do that. Yeah. Right. And just hey, any any time of life that you want to just say I'm checking out. Do you do you go ahead. I sign off on it. Like I like to do this because it works for what the job is and how we converse with people and it fits, but it can be a bad thing. So he sent me another invite this year. I guess him and his boys have been doing this for a long time. They rent out a rec center, just a Columbus parks and rec gym, nice basketball court, official collegiate size court. And they do this for the Thursday and Friday every year before the first tournament games. They show up at 830 whenever people can get there, play until the games tip off. And so they invited me out there. So I, I wanted to go both days, but I tried to sneak in what I could, so I went Friday because I actually took the day off from the station yesterday, and I went and, you know, we we got some guys here that were credentialed to cover the basketball tournament at, at Nationwide Arena, so I was going to do that for the first session, so I started off at 9.30 in the morning heading out to play basketball, then I went back home, got the shower, got back here to the station, got a little ride up to nationwide arena to check in and get my credential. And that was at about 1150 right at noon. And then there was basketball. I go out to press row. I sit in uh, the first media row, the fan. I, I guess we're doing so well now where we got a media, we got a row one seat at press row. I wasn't sitting in it. I was at the other side. It's all kind of like a free for all there. And if somebody comes up and gives you that shoulder tap that you don't want to say, Hey, get out of my seat, move out of the way. That's me right there. But I sat right next to Adam Jardy, who covers Buckeye hoops for the dispatch as people know. And he kind of looked at me to the left. I got there about four minutes as the clock was winding down and USC and Michigan state was about to tip off. And he just said, Hey, happy March madness, buddy. And I said, happy March madness, Adam. And then you're sitting there and, You got a Big Ten team, really a Big Ten basketball game with USC and Michigan State. And off we go. Little did we know 
that that evening session would pack so much of a punch. You just don't think it, right? You think literally, you didn't know you were going to be the center of the sport for an evening. No, you thought, if anything, that Columbus was going to get a little bit of the shaft because I was. I think there was a site this week, Evil. You could back me up that had two four thirteens and two five twelves. And that is what I would pick because typically you get those chances for the better games and the and the upsets that have a better percentage chance of happening. We got a two fifteen and Marquette flexed and blew him out. And you could make a case that the USC Michigan State game was okay. You know, USC I thought should have made a better run at Sparty, but we know what Michigan State can be in the NCAA tournament. That was a double I mean, digit all, point all, game too. I think you're referring to Albany, where they had the two pairs of the five twelves and the, the uh, four thirteens. Exactly. Um, so it, that, that I would pick that, and then you have a one sixteen to start off the day with. And a what's powerhouse. hilarious ah. is it all went chalk in that area. I know, and that crazy. That's insane. Isn't that crazy? That's, but we had that's a one sixteen. And I. Uh, the 16 won. I don't know how it happened, man. I still, I'm here with you now. I don't know how. Fairly Dickinson, the Knights from FDU out in Hackensack. Who needs a house out in Hackensack, New Jersey? I don't understand it, man. Purdue goes down 63 to 58 to start off that evening session. It was wild. What's really strange about these first two days is if you look across the bracket, it's, it was it was mostly chalk. I mean, you didn't have a single five twelve offset. That's the first time that's happened since twenty eighteen, and it's been pretty consistent. Only happening three times since I believe two thousand. So it's it's incredible that you have all this chaos. It feels like, but yet a lot of these these seed lines that you expect to have some type of upsets in didn't really happen. But it's just because it's such the major ones: the two fifteen, the one sixteen, a four thirteen. It's just. The upsets that you have gotten so far in this tournament are so massive that they completely overshadow the thought process of, wow, this tournament actually outside of those couple have been pretty chalky. But it's great that we've gotten these because it's so exciting. Yeah, I mean, clearly you're mentioning Arizona and Princeton. That was the first big shocker. We have seen enough of, it's not like there's been a lot. I'll have to check it up here. I think it's been... 13 or 14 now, 15s to be to two. We know that we were on the wrong side of that here at Ohio State. I mean, it's back to back back to back years of 15 seeds one. I think that's the yeah, first time crazy. that's happened. Yeah, we had St. Peter's and again, like back to back years where the Boilers. Now, it wasn't in the first round last year, but nonetheless, you go out to a 15 seed in St. Peter's. You, you get that super low seed that advances. And if you are more of a juggernaut type, you got to be ready to step on the throat and take control and move on to that next round because you're you're being gifted that upset. I know you'll say the little engine that could. They're also gaining confidence as well. But the fact that it's just so crazy, man, just everything about it, right? You had you go back to Arizona and Princeton. You know, you wanted to get a you wanted to get a 15 seed to knock off a two as a Buckeye fan to sort of not be the most recent one that that's happened to. And then where'd you lose that game to Oral Roberts? Mackey Arena, That's Purdue's right. home place. And then who was the next team to lose to a 15 seed? I guess you, you'd you have to say Kentucky. But then Purdue would wind up losing to them too. You know, and that's just funny how that works. And then they take one more year, and then they give you one of the more shocking upsets that we've ever seen in college basketball. I it, it, It's just crazy. And... It just reiterates the point that the the gap between the top and the bottom of the sport isn't as big as it was maybe 15, 20 years ago. I think you and I both discussed this when Virginia 
lost to UMBC. How it was not, I think we both said this, and I mean, it was such a, it was a long time ago now, going back to find audio. We don't save everything like that. But I can just tell you, just in talking college basketball with friends or doing it on a pod here on a show, I was pretty certain that we weren't going to go another 10 years before another 16 seed beat a one. And here we are. That was what, 2018? Five years went by. Yes. Five years went by. And I think it speaks to I believe it was five years going to, with there. Five years to the day, I believe. I wow. believe it was St. Patrick's Day. Was St. Patrick's Day on March 17th, though? I think so. I don't know. Float, right? I, I just remember where wait, I was. Wait, 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 wait. I remember where is, I was. Is St. Patrick's Day March 17th every single day? I think it, it is. Sound really yeah, stupid here. I, it rotates every year. It's not so like yeah. a thanks it's not like a Thanksgiving or an Easter that could pop up on a different uh different day on the calendar. No, because I It's March seventeenth, bar none every every single year. It's not like St. Patrick's Day is always Friday every single year. No, I think it is the seventeenth. Um but sorry, St. Patrick. What's, My bad. I, I'm all, I, I'm I'm into college basketball right now. Not St. Patrick's Day. I, it was. I maybe thought about St. Patrick's Day for about eight seconds yesterday. <laughs> it was. It was all about being one of the opening rounds of the NCAA tournament. I think what's interesting about this, and I, because I remember where I was when I saw that upset, and just kind of similarities of when things happened, it seemed like that game also was in like a prime time window. It was more in the evening, so I, I don't know if it's just the bright lights that can get to these one seeds when they're in a tight spot. And maybe that's what happened to Purdue last night. I mean, I'm, I'm sure they have the answers to what they think might have happened. But there's a lot of similar similarities with that. But at the same time, the two teams are vastly different. I mean, you know the story about UMBC. They actually were pretty good in Kempom. I think they were like 188 overall heading into that game. Fairly Dickinson was 299. That win sent, sent them up all the way to 275. So that just tells you how how huge that win was and how honestly how counted out they were but it's it's a, just a completely different upset why I think this one's even stronger of an upset because this team shouldn't even have been there because they didn't even win their conference well we're, we'll get into all that here as we're just sort of setting the stage for the completion that I, I can't believe we're moving right into the next round already here we are it's Saturday we got games firing up in another few hours it goes fast we we are just trying to stand up straight you're standing I'm sitting down I'm just I'm wearing a a tank top right now. You're wearing your Buckeye hoodie, and I should say my tank top is an old Kirk Heinrich Kansas jersey. Yeah, I was about so to say you got, a, you got a big game coming up today. Yeah, got a big game. You got to say what you're wearing too when uh, you're wearing random college basketball stuff on this podcast. But more on the shocking upset, uh, we'll get all around it. 360 degrees around Purdue and Fairleigh Dickinson. How it happened, the fact that it happened in Columbus, Ohio, at Nationwide Arena, the Boilermakers. Going home, shocking stuff. Thanks to Bodie, too. Our pal Bodie for, he's the morning producer here on the weekends. He's kind enough to sit back there for us and help us get this off. More coming up here. It's Mad About Hoops. All college basketball, all the time. You're listening to Mad About Hoops. The Fan, Ohio sports destination. What's going on, college basketball fans? Happy Saturday, the live show once again. The last two that we've done have been live now. We had our selection show, and then here we are, the Saturday after the mayhem, the morning after the Purdue Boilermakers Well, like I said, thank, down. thank goodness we decided to do this. <laughs> Man, I, I just got to tell you, what a... I feel so bad, like, what a weird watch. My parents moved to town here. They're proud Purdue alums. 
and they live in the arena district. They, they thought this was so cool how they moved in like a month and a half ago. My dad's the most gigantic basketball fan you're going to find, and they get to walk over to that stuff and enjoy the tickets. They already got their tickets for Sunday, and now my dad's not sure if he wants to go anymore. And I get it. Like, every Purdue fan just left the building. It was just rough because the, the thing is, I, I've told you about him before. He is, I'm sure, like a lot of Purdue sports fans right now, just beaten down by life and sports experiences and just knowing when to expect the downfall. Purdue football doesn't even hold a candle to what Purdue basketball does to them where they make these charges and they win the Big Ten and they win the Big Ten tournament and they're getting one seeds. They're getting really, really good seeds in the NCAA tournament pretty consistently. But my dad will always, this is because what Purdue hoops has done to him through time, he will be quick to, he will be quick to say it's done, right? To hit that concede button even if we're in the, the first half of a big game and they get down by seven, you know, it's over, right? I'll pack it up. It's over. Yeah. The typical, <laughs> typical Purdue. It's over in a couple times. He went to that open practice session, right? He walked over to that. I couldn't go, you know how on Thursday you know, the day before the opening round sessions, it's open to the public media can do their thing. And he had some comments. He just thought that the, the FDU team, they looked very loose and he noticed like the, the little guys, the small, the, the small two guards, and he's talking about uh, Roberts and Singleton, those dudes. And then, of course, Sean Moore, the Columbus kid, hits the big three with a minute left, has 19 points and five boards. But their guards were so quick twitch on their dribble. They were tough. It was tough for the Purdue perimeter defenders to stay in front of them. And then their ability to drive and move Edie around and then either take it to the basket or hit floaters on top of the defense or hit threes, that was big. And so he noticed that and he was telling me like, hey, they got quick guys. You know, I see quickness and they're little guards, but I mean, the smallest Dimitri teams Roberts out there. is five foot eight. Right, right. And I'm like, yeah, like, and he's saying that and he's like, they, they seem loose, you know, and they get to win a game already. And he kept telling me about how they had speed and quickness. I'm like, yeah, you're fine. Like, don't, don't worry. And then the fact that we got to yesterday and he did make a couple of comments about the 16 beating the one. And I, again, like kind of blew him off. I'm like, come on, like, stop, stop. Like, it's, it's not going to happen, right? It's not going to happen. And then my mom said something to me that was weird because by the time we were walking over to the arena, he started getting into his pump up mode. Like he was kind of high fiving all the Boilermaker fans that were heading into the arena. My mom said to me, like, this must be a bad sign. He's getting excited about it. You know, like he's, it was, it would have been. It would have been typical as a fan to just be kind of mum because it's a one playing a 16. Not to be either way, like two, oh, we're going to be the, the second one seed to lose to a 16 here today or to be supercharged about winning the game so easily. It's a one versus a 16. You just sort of mail it in, right? You sit there as a fan, you're excited about it, and then you wait to get up by 20 and you start thinking about your 8-9 matchup. Yeah, I would say most of the time, most of the time I feel that way. But I, I, with watching this game clearly because of sixteen one, and then what North or Northern Kentucky did with Houston, I think we're starting to see that we're going to see more competitive games in this one sixteen grouping probably going forward. And, and as long as the portal is the way it is, and that teams can build their roster that way, and I know a lot of the guys from Fairleigh Dickinson are rather new to the roster, whether they transferred up from. Uh, D2 or whether they moved around from the D1 level but it's I'm very curious to see how this progresses and if we see this more often maybe instead of every five years we see it every three 
Uh, but yeah, I, I totally understand. You kind of go into that game thinking nothing of it. And that's kind of the reason why when I decided to make the plans that I did and didn't go to the games yesterday, I'm like, well, I mean, a 116, it's only happened once, but produce got all the metrics and all the size that says they're not going to lose this game. So you know what? I, I'll be okay. But no, I, I'm so happy for all the, the Columbus natives and anybody that was there supporting Fairleigh Dickinson watching that game because you're going to remember that for the rest of your life. Yeah, I just, I I had, I have a sister who graduated from University of Virginia. It's just weird how this <laughs> is going. And she's not the biggest basketball fan, but... You know, and I was watching that. But youth- when you tell people you went to Virginia, and no matter if you're a basketball fan or well, not, they they're not going to. Yes. Well, they followed it up. Congratulations to Purdue, the 2024 national champions. <laughs> hey, um, hey, if that's if that's what Purdue needed to finally figure out how the hell to get to a Final Four again and win a national championship, you would sign up for that. But it's impossible to live in that frame of mind today because. Who, what Purdue fan actually thinks that that's going to happen to them? Yeah, I saw someone throw out the uh, the scenario, which is the Virginia scenario. Is you lose to a 16, you then win a national title, but then you lose to three, either 14 or 13 seeds the following tournaments like Virginia has. Would you take that? And I think most fans that responded to those posts said, absolutely. If I'm not a fan of a blue blood, absolutely, I'm taking yes. that championship. Yeah, you. I mean, winning a national championship in this setup is just, it's so freaking hard, man. It really is, but it's just bizarre because you're you're there and it's the story, right? And it's fairly Dickinson. And, you know, you'll get over it eventually, right? I I hope, <laughs> I hope, I think it just was. It was a weird watch for me. It was a weird watch because you're witnessing this and you're realizing that it's going to happen, and then the people that you love, the people that you're watching the game with, you're like, oh man, like this sucks, like this sucks and I don't think you have to win it all but I think you need to make a run to finally get that off your back and people to kind of let up on you you don't you don't have to do the well, Virginia yeah, method but you, you need to you, make a run to the final have, four you do have to bounce back in some way or else people are just going to keep on using that against you and they have to find a way to do it right now and it's it's everybody that they got and you know you looked at Purdue and you would say that it was their freshman backcourt right or it was how Zach Eady was going to be officiated and Eady even though this wasn't a typical game for him, it didn't feel like it was a typical game for him because how difficult FDU made his 21 and 15. A 21 and 15, it is just fine. It's fine and all right for I mean, his, Zach his over under for points actually was 22 and a half. And when I gave that in our overs and unders segment during Rothman and Ice yesterday, I think myself, Matty Ice, and AR all had it pretty easily going over because how are they going to stop him with the size that they have? giving up less than 30 points to this guy, it didn't seem possible. But with a way, and you got to give it up to, uh, to, I think the coach's name is Tobin Anderson, correct? But yeah, um, the, the way Anderson. that they had a, a method in like two days of preparation for Purdue to have this all set up and how they wanted to attack it is, you have to commend him for that. Tobin looks like a a grown man that never lost his toddler face, if that makes sense to anybody. He just has toddler facial features. He talks like he's <laughs> he talks like he's talking in like two times speed too. <laughs> he does. He just like zips zips right through. Our guy, our guy Jeff Tito Thidoff can get a little sped up. Our our buddy Tito. 
I've you, noticed that about excited, him. Yeah, yeah, gets, I, yeah. <laughs> you know, evil come to give uh, Purdue. I can't believe they lost uh, lost to FDU. It was one of the craziest games that I've ever seen. So we'll keep talking about the craziness in the first two rounds. I got some sound here from the coaches on both sides here. How does Purdue go forward? This fairly Dickinson team trying to put this in perspective. What we all witnessed last night in a 16 beating a one again in the NCAA tournament. You guys are listening to Mad About Hoops. One of these men is evil and bald. The other one is Timmy Hall swinging his meat bat. You're listening to Mad About Hoops on the fan. It is the live show here in between round one and round two. 32 games down. Craziness. The Thursday, Friday action in the NCAA tournament. Timmy Hall, evil bald column with you. Couple more things on the history of uh, the second 16 beating the one and with Colin giving you some of the numbers and perspective behind that. The fact that they they were a 12-loss team, shouldn't they lost? They lost in their conference tournament and got to go dancing because the stupid rules where they won't let a... Why are we not letting a team like Merrimack get in here and take their beating like anybody so else? So the official reason behind that is the transition period that they call it because they're... That's BS, three, man. 360 plus Division One teams. What the NCAA wants to do is they want to discourage the process of a lot of these D2 teams trying to move up. So they try to make it tougher on the program. So, hey, if you're coming up, just let you know you can't participate in the postseason for at least four seasons. And it's it's an effort to try to limit or cap the D1 level. But How's that working? <laughs> How's that working? It clearly just gave they, you a, it gave you a 16 seed winning, so I mean you should be happy about it, right? No, but no. How's that work in keeping the teams few fewer in college basketball? Yeah, you said there's like 400 of them right now. Cut them in half or something. In the, send them all in away. And I, my heart d- does break for teams like Merrimack. It was Bellarmine last year that they don't get the opportunity to send these players to their first ever tournament, and I mean. We've gotten so many examples just in the past couple of days of programs getting their first NCAA tournament win or nearly getting one like Kennesaw State, who had who had won one game three years ago and to the point of where they almost and they had Xavier on the ropes, but they couldn't get it. I don't understand. I think it would take a special kind of idiot or idiots, plural, to get into a conference room and say, you know what? We need to change this thing some more. The NCAA tournament. Oh, man. We need to double this field and whatnot. No, you can't, no. You can't touch this thing. It really doesn't need to be done. There is a, there is such a thing as a sweet spot, right? And I'm an adapt guy. You know me. I can evolve with things. But the good news is you don't have to. You don't have to with this. It changed so much. I mean, I think Mark Titus had a funny tweet about this, you know, six months ago or so when the uh, story first popped up that they were looking at expanding the field. The NCAA tournament from its inception to when we got to 1985 must have had like a, a two dozen or more different formats with the games and like the imbalanced rounds and regions there. But we got to the point now where it's basically your your same 64 team field and you've only added in the play in games in Dayton and it stayed pretty much the same and it has allowed for some fantastic stuff. Let me let me wrap up the Purdue fairly Dickinson discussion here with Purdue coach Matt Painter because being here in a Big Ten town, everybody's talking about him now and pointing the finger at this guy with all the double digit seed losses and just what they do in conference and what they do in the regular season versus what they can't do 
in the postseason now. Here was Painter after the loss. I think six straight years we've been a top five seed, and that's all you try to do is you just try to fight to get in the best position possible, and now we get in the best position possible, and this happens. And um, obviously it hurts. It, it, it hurts bad. And, uh, but with that being said, I don't want to take anything away from them. They earned it. They played better than we did. They coached better than we did. And uh, we got to sit in it. We got to face it. We got to deal with it. And we got to come back stronger. But um, th- that'll take some time. That'll take some time. These guys have been fabulous. Our players, it's, it's a joy to, to be around them. Um, these guys all love it. They work hard. They're good dudes. Um, we don't have problems like a lot of other people have problems. We've worked our asses off to get the right people on our team. And uh, it's just unfortunate. It's really unfortunate. But with that being said, I want to congratulate Coach and um, all they've been able to do. He's a grinder, D2 guy, won 80% of his games there, brought some guys with him, has done a really good job here in a short amount of time. And, you know, tip of the hat to him and his program and his players because I thought they were fabulous. Tobin Anderson, a WG grinder, says Matt Painter. But what now, what is your overall impression of Coach Painter? That's a great question. Um, it's not on the level of someone like Fran McCaffrey who hasn't made the Sweet 16 oh, in his coaching career. It's not at come that on, level. It's not close. That's, 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 that's a, unfair. That's an extreme. Yeah, that's nah, I mean, unfair. Losing three straight years to 13 seeds is it's. It's, Fran's it's, been it's a head. Fran's been a head coach since 1985. A lot I, longer than I'm you've been saying, alive. He's I'm, never gone past the second round. I'm not ever. saying. I was trying to say that's an extreme on the one end. Of all right, a great all right. coach who's just hasn't done it. And Purdue made decent runs. You can think of the Carson Edwards years. Um, the unfortunate situation where Virginia got that last second shot to send it to overtime, and then Virginia eventually advances to go on and win the championship. That was one of their better years. But at the same time, you have to question the direction of the program when you can't turn it on when it matters most in the tournament. You've lost three straight years to 13 or worse seeds. Like, you, you just you have to overcome that. I mean, winning Big Ten championships, regular season, and tournament is great. You can hang your hat on that, but you have to make some progress when it comes to when it matters most. I, I agree with that. And I, I think, look, it's possible to be a good coach a really good coach and to have these problems. Now it is a tough game and there is something, there is something here that is just, it's a, it's a wall in front of them that they can't get over. And I do think a lot of it also starts with, you know, the, and maybe that's a deeper discussion because the level of recruit Zach Eady wasn't a big time recruit. He's just a big guy. And clearly they know something about going after bigs that, other teams and people don't see anything in and then they get them and they develop them. There's another kid from Sweden that nobody knew about who's seven foot two will Berg. That's on their roster right now. So we'll see, but they're starting to get some bigger star power. And I think Matt painter deserves a lot of credit for that. Cause I think there was this period of Purdue basketball where it's a historical program. But if you talk to a, you know, college basketball fans of a certain age, they might not consider Purdue to be that much of a power program. They might just not think of them that way because well, the middle they of Indiana, seen do, West Lafayette. Yeah, they yeah. haven't seen them do anything in the tournament. Outside the big dog, you know, what, like, superstars have they had? Glenn Robinson, I'm saying, before Jaden Ivey here. And they're not a Duke, UNC, Kansas, UCLA, you know, Louisville, Kentucky, big blue type of program. But he deserves some credit for what the position he's gotten Purdue in. 
And I mean, you you cannot get past like the top three for Big Ten basketball coaches, right? Currently, oh, without currently. getting a painter, no way. Yeah, absolutely. Like Izzo and after Izzo, would it be him? Well, I mean, what's tough about that is what's been accomplished in terms of Big Ten coaches outside of Izzo and a, a few of Painter's runs. There hasn't been a whole lot of success with Big Ten coaches currently. So it's yeah, I, I would say he definitely clears top two, top three. Yeah. Well, speaking of Izzo. Uh, we'll finish up here. We'll, we'll go around the rest of the tournament because one versus 16 gobbles up a lot of the pod here, but that doesn't negate all the other big time action that went on over the first two rounds. And we're getting ready for round two. Uh, Tom Izzo and Michigan state. They just always feel like a team, no matter what they do, no matter what they are in the regular season, they seem to just, you look at them when the, it's tournament time and you say, Oh, you know what? That team's got some dudes. Like They got some chips. They got some pieces. Maybe they can make a run. So much, much more here as we look ahead, as we get a couple more thoughts on what happened in round one and also start looking ahead to round two. You guys are listening to Mad About Hoops. You guys are listening to your Mad About Hoops college basketball friends. I'm Timmy Hall. This is Evil Bald Colin. We are coming at you live on the Saturday going in to round two of the NCAA tournament. Yeah, and I just want to let you know the fan is your home for the NCAA tournament. Catch coverage of today's games on 1460 ESPN and the fans HD2. Tournament coverage is sponsored by Byers Volkswagen by the airport. Before we get into some of the other great action that we saw and what's coming up, I did a, a little bit of work when I was there with my press pass. I had to do some work, Evil. <laughs> so we had a Big Ten team in town. And, of course, Michigan State is moving on. And this Michigan State-Marquette game seems to check a lot of boxes. But first, they had to beat USC. And Tyson Walker, I think, is one of the reasons why Michigan State can make a run. I caught up with him for about a minute in the locker room. Here you go. Tyson, is there something different? Just Well, obviously there is, but... How much better is it as a player when it's the NCAA tournament and it's win or go home? Uh, it's definitely better. Uh, you know, it's just a different feel when you're out there playing. And, you know, like when shots going in, uh, you can hear the fans and you just know that what you're trying to do is like it's, it's a big thing. What do you think the difference was for this team when you, know, you knew USC was going to come with a little run there when you know, they hit those two threes late in the game and then you guys clamped up and just got defensive stops time and time and time again there down the stretch? Uh, just we, we've been in those situations before, uh, so we just knew we had to close out the game, key getting stops, uh, make free throws. How do you feel about your game now going forward? You've been uh, playing pretty well here lately. Uh, I think I've been playing pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing much to it, really, just making the right place. Perfect. Thanks a lot, man. Nothing much to it. He had 12 against USC, four assists, three boards. He's been in double-figure scoring for many, many games now. He had that 31-point game against Iowa, 19 against Nebraska. When they get it from him and Akins and typical stuff from Joey Hauser, Tom Izzo's doing his thing, just blowing gaskets left and right, seems to work with these guys. He's breaking rocket mortgage uh, marker boards. <laughs> I, I saw some interesting stuff there, by the way, Evil, watching that Michigan State game. The colorful language where there was a play where Mady Sissoko had a, a poor defensive and offensive possession, and they went to a timeout. And I can see Tom Izzo and hear him shouting, what the bleep are you doing? Like, he just yells that right at Sissoko. Malik Hall was screaming at Tyson Walker early in the game. They were getting into something, uh, maybe 
maybe Tyson didn't like a, a foul that he committed and was arguing with the refs and Malik Hall on the bench there was just telling him to shut the bleep up over and over and over again. And I can hear this just right across the way. Just great stuff with the NCAA tournament, you know? Yeah, watching Michigan State games in person is always interesting because it's it's more than just watching the game. You're also watching the coaching staff and how is a whole and it just acts and it's it's almost a show in in of itself. But you're talking about this team and how deep they are, and they've got the characteristics of a team that can make a deep run because they've got four or five guys that can just kind of light up threes whenever you want them, or you've got a point guard or a duo of point guards with Hoggard and. Uh, Tyson Walker that can really command a game and they play good defense at the same time holding USC to 62 points in that game but uh, I think they're going to give Marquette everything they want on Sunday and that's going to be the game I'm looking forward to the most because I think they match up really well with each other yeah it is you know Marquette obviously was fantastic and you've been watching a lot of Marquette basketball here because you're you're a big big east guy like a good boy and they're just just both really guard oriented they're really good they got really good point guards if you're going to go Walker versus Tyler Kolek, like that's that's one of the best oh, point guard matchups oh, you're going to get in this tournament. Something about Kolek, when you watch him up close, just the intensity that that guy plays the with. The way he commands the game. The way he commands it, and it's just, the, he's, a, he's a passer, right? You can look at his stats and see that he's one of the best passers in college basketball. There's just something about the way he handles the rock and the ease in which he passes it with. Even when he drives and just has like the knack to put a little lob pass right to where one of his guys is going to be. The, the anticipation, the way he kind of just whips it with the flick of the wrist, with a little no-look pass or a dribble bounce pass, he's just a sensational player. You can see why uh, he was the Big East Player of the Year. And we mentioned Tyson Walker this game is made up of transfers, right? Walker was a Northeastern guy. Played, uh, uh, it was an 18 a game guy at Northeastern. Last year, he wasn't this guy for Michigan State, but now he's turned into a, a 15 a game guy that can really break a game open. He can drive it, he can score in traffic, or he can hit big time shots. His rise and fire, he had a little double clutch baseline jumper that was a nifty play. And then on the other side, you go to this Marquette kid and co like he started off at George Mason. That's right. George Mason. And now, now look what he's doing. Player of the year in the Big East. So I'm with you there. But uh, quick thoughts, man. Quick hitters. And when you look to the first round or what's coming up here for the second, that is uh, really going to get you going this weekend. Yeah. So the first round, like I said earlier, it was very chalky outside of some really important upsets and really big upsets. And I think Furman can keep it going. I, I mean, you want to talk about the team that's carbon copy of what Virginia wants to do. It's going to be San Diego State. San Diego State's a little bit stronger in teams of, in terms of their defense than a, a typical Virginia team. But they also went through droughts in that game against Charleston, where Charleston really should have won that game late. There's just the really good defense from San Diego State kind of held them at bay. But they get a little bit tight with their offense. It kind of depend on Matt Bradley a little too much in certain points of the game where it can kind of hurt them. And if Slauson and Bothwell are really going for Furman, that could be a great upset today. Uh, but but as the rest of the tournament looks, man, it's it's setting up for a really good, a bunch of like one versus fours, two versus threes, uh, possibly in the Sweet 16. But as we know, there'll probably be another one seed that loses to an 8-9 coming up. You got uh, Big Blue Nation. They're moving on there. And the, the 6-11 games, I think, are games that you should always just stop and watch because... When you get the power conference 11s that move through out of Dayton, they can beat you. I mean, that's a power conference team that's been tested by good teams well, time and time again. The they had something continued. wrong with them, but they got better. The streak continued with Pittsburgh beating Iowa State. It's, Didn't just it's beat so them. funny. Didn't just beat them. Destroyed them. How about TCU hanging on to beat Arizona State? Another Dayton team with uh, Eddie Lampkin not being a part of it. That's kind of a crazy story right there. Uh, Creighton. 
in a battle to, in, a, in a good game against NC State, but they move on. There's a, well, like you said before, no, no 12 fives, no 12 oh, fives. Sorry, Drake. The Drake one hurt my heart because they were leading for most of that game and led late, but Drake just couldn't handle the pressure that Miami threw against them in their backcourt. All right. So this was fun. Thought we'd do this live coming up here on the fan a little bit later today after common man and T-bone weekend, you got fan sports Saturday for about an hour and 15 and then Buckeye women's basketball taking on James Madison. That's awesome. Tournament time for the Buckeye women. One fifteen. crew at New York later on tonight at seven. You got another fan sports Saturday smashed in between a lot of good stuff. As Colin said, 1460 and HD two for all your tournament coverage. Thank you guys so much for checking it out. This has been mad about hoops.